Good morning. Well, we're turning around the corner here uh, with our formation series. Next week will be our last sermon in this series before we start the series uh, in James. And Alex will be finishing off the series next week with the, the gift of mercy. But today we're going to look at the spiritual gift of leadership. In Romans 12, 8, it says this, it says, the one who leads with zeal, or in some translation, it says with diligence. As a kid, we used to play a lot of these kind of games where it's like, it's about domination, right? It's whether it's like king of the hill or it's like king of the castle, whatever it is, we fought for that position of leadership. Follow the leader. These are games where as kids, we're indoctrinated and we're taught that in order to be above, we need to lead. In order for us to be able to dictate, we need to become a leader. Well, the word that we find here in Romans 12 for lead is the word proestomy, which means to rule or set over, or the literal translation is to stand before, to lead, or to attend to. We actually find this word in, in various passages um, in, in, our, in the Bible, in 1 Thessalonians 5.12, in reference to the church leaders as elders and pastors. Um, we find the same word in 1 Timothy 5.18 in reference to the elders. Um, and the same word is also used with reference within the family, for the role of men that were given to lead his household. So as I was preparing for this sermon, I have to admit that I struggled a little bit with it. I struggled with the question, is leadership a spiritual gift or is it a position? Because in our society, in our culture, we associate leadership with either CEOs or managers or or. or teachers or principals. In the church context, it's the senior pastor of the church. So is this a learned behavior as is it is in something that we could be trained in? Or is it a gift that some of us are given or have naturally? What is the biblical pattern? How do we approach it? And the purpose of the gift of leadership? So today I'm going to, I'm hoping to answer these questions, but let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you're doing in this church. Lord, as we look into your word today, let us look to you first as our leader, and let us look to you first as our God, our Savior, and our Lord. So Lord, let that set the stage, let that set the tone for the passages that we're going to dive into. So Lord, send your spirit, motivate us, inspire us, and Lord, may you be the prize that we look after. So that we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it says this. It says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gift of healings, helpings, administration, and various kinds of tongues. So it says, First, the second and the third are all positions that we actually found in Ephesians 4 as well as the offices 
of the church. Remember two weeks ago I talked about the, the different offices of the church of apostle, prophet, evangelism, shepherd, and, and teacher. Or shepherd, you could interchange that word with pastor. But these are the offices of the church. And as we look at what 1 Corinthians 12 says, he says, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. So if you look at the five offices and what Paul is writing here, he lays out that these are positions of leadership. That the gift of leadership is attached to these, these positions and that the gift of leadership are also attached to these giftings. So you can see where my dilemma started to come. I'm just like, is, this, is leadership a trained thing or is it a gifting? But in Romans 12, we read that it's a gifting. So how do we actually approach this aspect of what leadership actually is? Well, the Bible does make it very clear. In James chapter 3, it says that those who lead, those who teach, will be judged with greater strictness. So we have to keep that in mind as we talk about leadership. The difference between what the world gives us as examples as leaders versus what the Bible says is a leader is that the world's example is one that dictates, one that makes decision, one that executes plan for success. Though some of the methods and some of the goals within the church may be similar, the world's view of leadership is usually framed by management and how we manage things, how we appoint and how we dictate others. But Jesus teaches and encourages those in leadership positions first to be humble. In Luke 22, there's a story of where the, the disciples are in a place of dispute. They're arguing who's going to be on top. They're arguing about who is, who's the disciple that's going to be, be, be greater than, than, than all the others. So dispute come among them and as to which of them was regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, the king of the Gentiles exercised lordship over them. You see, even in that time, that's how leadership was seen. That even in Jesus' time, leadership was seen that you lord your, your position, you lord your power over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. Jesus is basically saying this. He's saying that the world does it this way, but not you. He says, let the greatest take the lowest position. It says the youngest. And why do, you're like, well, that's weird language. Why do they say the youngest? Well, in Jesus' time in the culture, those that were young didn't have positions of power. It was, it was always a, a nod to the older, right? So... If you were younger, there, there's this level of respect. I know that, especially in a lot of Asian cultures, we actually have that. I mean, in the Korean language, where you stand in terms of your age, you use different language to address each other. It was the same, same type of culture that Jesus was living in. So when it says the youngest, it means that you actually have no position. Even though you may know more than me, you have no position because you're younger. So he says, let the greatest be the youngest. Jesus says, humble yourself to a place where you actually are taking a younger position. 
that you don't see yourself as, oh, I'm, I've, I've gained this authority because of who I am. And then he says, and the leader as one who what? Serves. In the places that you work, how many of your bosses serve you? Very few. How many of your bosses says, what can I do for you today? How many bosses says, is there anything that I could get for you? Or is there anything that I could do to help your job be easier? Not many. And if there are bosses out there, keep those bosses. But Jesus says, service is where leadership comes from. So for us, the biblical pattern of leadership does not rest on the things that the world looks at for leaders. Instead, Jesus sets that tone. For those of us that are young here, sometimes we don't feel like we can take positions of leadership. But I want to change that for this church. Because even in First Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy, do not let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, faith, and in purity. Because Jesus is going to define what leadership actually looks like. Jesus defines leadership by first what? Humility. If we're in a place of humility, if we're in a place where we take, take a knee and realize who Jesus is for us, we become and we, we, we set ourselves up to become examples for the rest of the world to see, examples for what the church has to see. And so if you look at our leadership, even within our deacons, we have some of the youngest deacons in in, in the church right now. And we, I've recruited some of young people. Why? Because I want the young people to represent the young people in our church. Right? Most denominational ch- churches, they'll, they'll have only senior members of the church. They're all over 60, most of their deacons and elders. But I purposely said, no, our church is going to look different. We're going to recruit as long as you fulfill what is listed in 1 Timothy as the requirements of a deacon, not an elder, a deacon, then you can be a deacon. And there's plenty of young people that are are fit for that. Plenty of young people that that have proven themselves that they're faithful in their walk with Jesus. They know who who Jesus is for them. And they're walking out their ministry every single day. And therefore, they have proven themselves. And so as we, as we look at leadership, it's not about age, it's not about experience, it's not about any of those things. It's not about how we climb up the corporate ladder. It's not, not about any of those things. Jesus says that leadership doesn't come from that place. Leadership comes from a place of service. So what does that mean? How do we do this? How do we, how do we change the way that we need to look at leadership when we, we start looking at leadership beginning and ending with Jesus. The answer of what biblical leadership is knowing where God wants people and to be taking the initiative to use God's methods to get them there in, to, to rely on, on God's power. It is to be in a spiritual condition and in a lifestyle that displays God's glory and to honor his name. Therefore, the goal is that people come to know God and to glorify him in all that they do, and it is not about directing people, 
but it's about changing people. It is about developing people rather than dictating a plan. You can get people to do stuff. That's not the hard part. But if they don't change in their heart, then you have not led them. You have not taken them to where God wants them to be. So how do we do this? How do we take on this biblical leadership? We need to start by leading ourselves. Before we, we even come to a place of leading others, we need to frame in the purpose, just like what Paul said to Timothy, to be an example and to give God glory. Matthew 5.14 gives us this, this. Jesus says this. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do you people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is the attitude and, and lifestyle that is so distinctive when you want to live out your life in the broken, in the broken and fallen world that we live in. It gives valid evidence that there is a God and that he wants us to live a life that is whole and full. When the reality of God's promise manifests in our lives and work everything together for our good, it grips our heart in a way that we do not fall prey to greed or fear, but instead we begin to manifest a contentment and love and freedom for others. This is our witness in which we give glory. To get to that place... We need to strengthen our faith. Romans 10, 17 says this, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Our faith is built up from knowing and hearing through the word. We need to meditate on and pray over his word. This is where we unfortunately see most leaders fall. It is so important for us to have a good Meditation and prayer life. I mean, Tracy has come up and given testimony. I wasn't going to use you, Tracy, but Alex used you, so I'm going to use you as well. I'm sorry I didn't ask for permission. But Tracy on Friday shared about just because of the morning prayer, how it's not just impacting her daughter, but it's also impacting her sister now. And these stories, this testimony that, that Tracy continues to give is because she's dedicating. What changed? In her testimony, she said, what changed is that I started dedicating my time in prayer. That is so important for us to really strengthen that prayer life. That is so important for us to really strengthen that meditation on, on God's word, to meditate and to pray over God's word. It is so important for us to do that, and that's where most leaders fall, is that they don't actually get into that rhythm of that. 6.30 a.m. is early, I'm not going to lie, right? 6.30 a.m. is very early. If you cannot do that, set aside another time. I want to encourage every single one of you in this church to actually set dedicated time every single day to pray and meditate on God's word. There's a missionary by the name of Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a, a name that we heard throughout our household growing up. Why? Because Hudson Taylor was a missionary in China. And for my parents and my grandparents, it's, they, they believe it's his legacy that our, our, family's, uh, our family is in Christ. And so Hudson Taylor is a, 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 a very, very famous missionary in China. He's from 
He's from the UK. And he, as he went through China, he didn't have much money. He preached the gospel. He evangelized to the Chinese people by wheelbarrow and cart, pulled by hand, staying in the poorest in the lowest budget ends that they could find, oftentimes the, the places that they stay were, were just big, massive rooms just for travelers. And when they usually settle in, they would put up these curtains just for one room for, for Hudson Taylor, the other room for the rest of the family and the other travelers that are traveling for, with Hudson Taylor. And Howard Taylor, his son, writes this. As he talks about his dad, he says this. He says, Every day, when the still of the night came, around 2, 2 a.m., you would always hear a light strike and a faint glow of candlestick. And you knew that at that time was the time that Hudson Taylor poured into prayer and meditation. Every single morning between 2 and 4 a.m., he would strike a match. And that sound became so evident to his son. That sound became so evident that that little glow of that candlestick was evidence that he was pouring into his Bible. He said his dad had a Bible that was separated into two volumes, two small, two small Bibles. There wasn't one, one book that he carried. And he poured everything into that Bible. He poured everything into reading the Word, praying and meditating on God's Word and praying through the Bible. Hudson Taylor said that the flicker of the candlelight was meant more to them than all, anything that they have read or heard. Because that flicker of candlelight meant reality, not preaching, but practice. Hudson Taylor said the hardest part of the missionary career is maintaining a regular prayerful Bible study because he says that Satan will always find you something to do. He will always try to keep you busy. He will always keep you, try to keep you distracted. He will always try to take your time so that you do not have time to pour into prayer and into study. There will always be an excuse. And so for us, we have to be diligent in actually fighting for that. We have to be diligent in doing that. In 2012, when I really started taking on the mantle of of, of being a pastor here, I was still, it was when I was just finishing off with the youth and really coming into as, a, as an associate pastor. At that time, I was trying to figure out, okay, what, what does that actually mean? Because for those that have been here for a long time, that have known me and, and, and seen me grow, grow in this church, know that I resisted the title of pastor for a very, very long time. I resisted the title of pastor because I was just like, that's not what I want to be. That's like, growing up, it wasn't like, oh, I want to be a pastor. If anything, I didn't want to be a pastor. I wanted to run away from this calling. I wanted to, to, to steer away from it. And so I always, as, as a youth pastor of the church, I took on the title of youth coordinator, right? Because I was just like, a coordinator's not a pastor. But in 2012, as I was stepping into that, one of the things that God really told me and spoke to me was, you need to exercise this, these muscles more. You need to exercise these muscles more of, of spending time with me 
I was like, well, I already spend time with you. I spend time with you every day. He's like, no. I want to change your prayer time. I want to change your meditation. 2012, for an entire year, I was single at this time, so I didn't have any kids. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have any responsibilities. I was living on my own. You know, the bachelor lifestyle, it was great. I miss it. (laughs) But that year, crazy enough, that was my my 30th year. That tells you that this is my 40th year. (laughs) But that year, every single morning, Without fail, the Holy Spirit woke me up at 5 a.m. Didn't matter how tired I was. The Holy Spirit woke me up at 5 a.m. I remember there's times where I woke up at 5 a.m. I looked at my clock and I'm just like, why? It's 5 a.m. I just, I don't have anything else to do today. I'll do my quiet time later. You know, on your day off, you're just like, I'll just do my quiet time later. But guarantee you, I would not be able to fall back asleep. It was just like, it's just stirring in your head. So for one full year, every single morning, 5 a.m., God woke me up to spend time with him. And all I did was pray and read his word. That year I actually read through the entirety of the Bible twice because I had time. Now I have no time. But I have to make time. Because right now my, my daughter wakes me up at 5 a.m. to do the same thing. Although the, now it's, I have to tell you this because it was the cutest thing. This is the first time I've ever seen her do this. Every morning I pray with her and, I, and I, I read the Bible with her and she's kind of toddling around after she has her bottle. And usually I'm, I'll, I'll be praying out loud for the church stuff, for personal stuff, or for anything. And she usually just ignores me or has her snacks or whatever it is or plays with her dolls or whatever it is. But as I'm walking around with her and I'm praying, she looked at me this week and she just started raising her hands like this. And I looked at her and I was like, what are you doing? And she just started raising her hand. And I was just like, you are the cutest thing. But that's completely sidetracked. (laughs) But we need to get to this place, personally, in order for us to to, to begin to lead others. We We need to start from a place where we know who Jesus is for us before we're able to start setting an example, as Paul tells Timothy, to set an example. Why was this important? Why is it important for us to be able to set an example? Because for the church, we do things differently. For the church, we don't do things the way that the world expects us to do things. Although a lot of churches today, I have to say, looks a lot like the world and not as much as it looks like Jesus that the church isn't there to serve anymore, that the church is called to serve our community, that the church is called for us to actually go into the community and say, how can I help? That as members of, of this congregation, of members of Five Stones Church, that we need to go to each other and say, how can I help? How can I serve you in this time? That our positions are always in a place where that Jesus calls us that to lead means to serve. That's why my deacon team that I'm building up right now, I said, go out there and figure out how to serve. Not how to lead a ministry, but how do you serve people in that ministry? It always comes from a place of service. It always comes from a place where I am going to be as Christ unto you as Christ was unto me. 
How did Christ serve you? When Jesus came, he says, I came to serve and to be a what? A ransom for you. He came to serve you by dying on the cross and saying that I have died here so that your sins can be forgiven and therefore you can be reunited with God. That's how Jesus served you. And in that same way, you are to serve others. When we understand this aspect of service, this is what begins to solidify our faith. When we're able to understand that we need to actually meditate and pray every day, this solidifies our faith so that we can become that city on a hill or the light on the lampstand. Then in what we do, that others can see that we are the example for all the good works that's being done in us and through us. A leader who understands this is confident at what? In the sovereignty and the goodness of God. To work everything for his good. A leader that doesn't get it will fall into the trap of manipulating circumstances, exploiting people in order to secure for themselves an outcome because they are not certain that God will provide. But when you're able to step into this place, you know who God is for you. All of those insecurities, as a leader, I have a lot of insecurities. I'm like, who wants to follow me? Like, I, don't, I don't know anything. I don't know anything to, to, to give to, to you guys for you to, to say that, oh, I'm going to follow John. But I realize that it's not about me. It's not about me, you following me. My job as a leader is to point you to Jesus. My job as a leader is to point you to the one that you can follow. But in order for me to do that, I need to be confident in this. I need to be confident in everything that I read in here, everything that, that is written in this, this book here. Because if I'm not confident in it, how can you be confident in it? And so as a pastor, I need to pour into this every single day, not just for myself, but also for the church. But yet, there's time that I do this just for you guys, and there are times that I do this just for myself. That's important, guys. I want you guys to know that leadership starts here. Leadership starts here. I know there are a lot of people here in our church that are in positions of power, where you guys are bosses of many people, where you guys run your own businesses, where you guys have people working for you. My challenge for you guys, change the way you lead. See what that does for your company. See what that does for your position. Because I believe that when we actually start doing things this way, it will blow people's minds. It will, it will shatter everything that they know about what it means to work. It will shatter everything that they know about in terms of, of how they relate to each other. When you start living life in a way that Jesus has called you to live, people are going to notice. That's the bottom line. 
that people will always notice the way that you live your life compared to the way that they live their lives. The values that you hold on to and the values that they hold on to. When you begin to change those values to be more like Jesus' values, beware, people will notice. Someone's like, okay, well, that's easier said than done. I know, I, I absolutely know that. I know that it is, it's hard to, to, to live life when society and culture expects you to live something different. As I was writing this sermon, I was like, well, I should give them pointers of how to lead, but the reality is you guys don't need pointers in how to lead. I don't need to give you step-by-step ideas of, of, of what you need to do because the re- honestly, every single one of us know how to lead in some capacity. We know how to lead in the way that the world calls us to lead because we're all trained in that way to dictate, to, to manage, to, 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 to tell people what to do. So instead of doing that, I decided that I'm just going to tell you this is the foundation of where we need to lead, where we as Christians are called to lead. Some of these things that are biblical that we've already talked about in the last couple sermons of exhortation and of... um, uh, of generosity, of all of those things. Those are all places where, where you could really gain some, some, some traction in leadership. But what I want to encourage you to do is to see how you could start developing others, to invest into others. I mean, there's so many things that are coming down the pipeline for, for Five Stones. Um, alongside our e-classes, Alex is in development with Martin uh, and Rich and, and the rest of the team to develop a leadership class. And this leadership class will, will, will really teach you how to lead in the church and how to be a leader in the church. So yes, we have a leadership class that we're going to be developing along cla- alongside of our, our e-classes. For those that don't know our e-classes, that's our membership class. That's a class that you learn about what it, it means to be part of Five Stones Church. On top of that, we have so many other things that, were, that are in the works, and, and um, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag, okay, Anita? <laughs> we're we're, we're going to develop something called that, that, that comes alongside new believers, okay? We're going to call it discipleship, because we don't have a name for it yet. It's that new. We literally talked about this on Friday. But one of the things that we want to do is we want to be able to develop a curriculum that every single one of you guys are trained in that could walk alongside new believers or prodigal believers or, or believers without a proper foundation. And we want to develop a curriculum that you could actually walk out the foundations of, Jesus, of what it means to be a Christian. And we want to develop it to a place where you could literally take any new believers through at any given time. We love the programs that we have. We, we run Alpha. We run, um, what's the other one that we call? Freedom. Freedom Sessions. Thank you. We do all of these classes, and they're great, and we're going to continue to run them. We're going to continue to do all those things. But sometimes, some of these classes, if you miss the start date, you have to wait for the next cycle to kind of begin, right? 
And so oftentimes these cycles take, freedom sessions take six months for you to go through. Alpha takes you 12 weeks to go through. We want to be able to develop something that you could start at any time, one-on-one, or one-on-two, or one-on-three. That you could, if you're a newcomer and you're a new Christian in this church, that we literally could say, hey, you want to meet up? We're going to go through just the foundation of the Bible for six weeks. I want to just go through that with you one-on-one. Isn't that so much easier? Not only is it so much easier to start developing you as a leader, because now you're changing their lives, but it develops you into a place where, where our church is able to grow fast because it becomes transferable. That the new Christian that, that, that hears all these things now is like, I have a proper understanding, and I could go and teach my children, I could go and teach uh, my, my friends, I could go and teach others. And this becomes a viral thing for, for the sake of using social media lingo because I'm very social media savvy. <laughs> and, I mean, we have a great deacon that's, that's heading this up. Anita's heading this up. She is so jacked up about it. She has a great responsibility on her shoulders. These are the things that we're, we're, we're focused to, de- to develop. As leaders, we're here to develop what? People. That's what the church focuses on. To develop people, not to develop just programs. The church needs to refocus its, itself on the programs that we run and start focusing on the people that attend the church. We need to start caring about those things. We need to start having these discussions and having these places where it's safe for us to actually talk about these things. That's what being a leader is. Like I said, the reality is and how we lead doesn't actually matter as much. Yes, there are definitely Christian values that we could hold on to and where we could lead from. But we belong in a church that has many different spiritual gifts. On top of that, we are in a community in which there are many talents and skill sets that God has given us. And the combination of these things brought into a community with the same goals means that, we, that everyone should be seeking to lead others in a way that brings glory to God. That means that everyone should be involved in ministry because we are all called to do what? To serve. To lead in your own giftings. To know that everything first begins with Jesus and because Jesus is our savior, but Jesus is also our example. That Jesus came to serve as a ransom, which is what leads us to trust in God and put our faith and hope in him. This is literally what Jesus meant when he said, come, follow me. This frees us for a life of love and service, which in the end, causes people to see and give glory to our Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you that you are the example for us. That even though some of us may not see ourselves as leaders, that you've called us to serve. And Lord, that we know how to serve. So Lord, teach us to serve. 
Teach us to serve others so that we can set an example for others to see your glory. So Lord, as we come before you, may you challenge us with this word. May you challenge us with the posture that we've taken. And Lord, may you enrich us as we study, as we worship, and as we pray. So Lord, we thank you for all that you are and all that you're doing. We pray all things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, John brought just such a great word today. Um, I was like laughing the whole time and I hope Martin was too because like so many of the things that he was saying were things that we've been discussing about like how do we teach leadership and not in the way that the world requires or defines it but as God defines it and you know I took leadership through high school university even from a very early age just there seemed to be this natural call to want to lead and, and take charge of things and it was only in the last few years that I, I read a few books on spiritual leadership and like it was like at this, this moment of revelation and brokenness at the same time because you lead from the back as servant and it's not about achieving the goal it's about you know achieving the goal and bringing the people that are with you further in their faith as you go so, you know, a couple things that were just, you know, really struck me was, you know, John was talking about these these games of domination, king of the hill and follow the leader. And, you know, it's, it, it's so in our nature to want to be at the forefront and to take that position that, that God should have. And, you know, we don't play games like, let me wash your feet, right? And... <laughs> Maybe there's some Baptist churches out there that do that. I mean, it's probably happened, but it's, um, but again, it's just, it's so in our nature, you know, and he talked about age and, you know, why, why do most cultures have this idea of respecting age? Well, it becomes with experience and wisdom, but we believe that not that that, not to say that we're ageist in the other way either, but Wisdom comes from the Lord and discernment comes from the Lord. And so if we're walking in spiritual leadership, we're walking with spiritual wisdom and spiritual discernment. So, you know, the the qualifications for, for an elder, it, you know, it, it doesn't actually say how old they have to be. It says they need to be mature in their faith. So this isn't about age, this isn't about place, this isn't about experience, although we all bring those things. This is about when we set our hearts on God and, you know, trusting in those gifts. And, you know, I was really struck when you, when you read a lot of the biblical stories of, of leaders, it never talks about their qualifications. They were shepherds, they were farmers, they were and I say this in the biblical sense, they were women, so they had very small positions of power. And yet, at the beginning of almost every one of those stories, it tells you almost two things about them. They had a prayer life, and they had faith and wanted to follow the heart of God. And that's all that's required. So, you know, one of the things that, that really struck me is if it's in your mind that, 
oh, I can't be a leader, I'm too quiet, or, you know, I don't, I don't like standing in front of people. Unfortunately, I hate to tell you this, but you're perfectly qualified for spiritual leadership. We don't want people that want to stand up in front and say, look at me. We want people that stand up in front and say, look at God, look to God. So what I would say is, don't, don't take your earthly qualifications, the things that people have told you here on this earth, and use them to disqualify yourself for ministry and the things that God is calling you to do. They're, they're separate. The things of the world are broken and you need to look to God to say, okay, God, where are you calling me? And if he says you're gonna be a leader and you say, no way. Well, I can tell you personally, you can argue with that for many years with him. And I hope you have more success than I did because I'm right now standing on this stage and John stands on this stage and neither of us ever wanted to. <laughs> so, but at the same time, there comes a lot of joy and a lot of peace and a lot of blessing. And um, it's, not, it's not all bad. So Lord, we just thank you for the, the word that John brought. We just thank you that you have called each one of us to be leaders, even if it's because we have found you before someone else. And it's not about seniority and it's not about qualifications, Lord. It's about our heart being set on you. It's about just opening up our spirit and our ears to say, Lord, what do you call from me? What do you want to bring out of me? Where are you placing these gifts in my life so that I can work in you? And so, Lord, we just thank you that it's not about us because by our own strength, we would achieve such small things. But Lord, you have called us to great things, great things as a church, great things as individuals, and greater things yet to see your kingdom come on this earth. And so, Lord, we just thank you for that. We just thank you for the worship team, Lord, the leadership they show in leading us into worship of walking before us as we enter into your presence. And so, Lord, we just thank you and just pray your blessings upon us this week. And we just ask that, um, yeah, you would just touch each of us this week, Lord. Just continue to, as we process these gifts, um, continue to call them out of us, Lord. Call out new ones. Call out the ones that we've always secretly desired, Lord. And just place into our heart your training path for how we just start to implement them. Amen. Have a blessed week.